0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, I'm Sam Delaney, and this is The Reset, a mental health podcast without all the bollocks. What you're about to hear is the second part of my conversation with the excellent writer and broadcaster Matt Morgan. In part one, which was out last week, Matt told me about suffering from anxiety and being diagnosed with ADHD. We left off with him telling me about a particularly severe panic attack a few years ago, which ended with him being rushed to hospital in the back of an ambulance. It was a turning point in Matt's life waking him up to many of the mental and emotional problems he'd left unaddressed for years. We pick up here with him explaining the aftermath. I hope you enjoy listening to the rest of our chat.
1: So basically, after I had that, which I would class as a nervous breakdown, took me about nine months to get my fight or flight response and the sort of, you know, honestly, there was points where I, I had to go to work. So I was like acting like a normal person. But I remember one point, so I'd be on the tube and I'd have that feeling of like I've got to get out of here, yeah. But I can't. And then and, and so like I was fighting this monster inside me all the time, every day. And I and no one would have known. Honestly, no one yeah. would have known. Whenever people and I wasn't ever suicidal. I never had been. But when people say, "Oh God, I saw him last week. He seemed all right about suicide," you know, situations. I always think you can't tell anything from... You could have a pleasant 40-minute conversation with someone who's going through something, you know. You can autopilot a lot of your life while while shit's going on. But I remember when it was really bad, I was on the tube, and I was closing my eyes because I, I learned all these tricks that half-worked about breathing and mm. blowing on your thumb, like going like that because right. it focuses you all these things to stop you panicking or freaking out or whatever. And as I closed my eyes, honestly, I, I, it was like this like really detailed animation and, of, of these monsters coming. Like it was almost like manga or something. And it was like insane My in, that my imagination and subconscious was so out of control. I was literally seeing demons and stuff. And I was like, okay, but nice. then part of me was just me going, this is a bit fucking much. What's happened here? Like, what is going on? Because I was still me, the normal me, who was a passenger in that body, was just going, this is mental. But what I did, I went to the doctor, the GP, I think the NHS, the GP situation, I don't think I pursued it very well. And the first, I mean, check this out. The first time I went, I said to the woman, the GP, Oh, my hands didn't feel like my own I've described that part, the very first sort of problem I had and she went oh God um depersonalization is really linked with brain tumors I'm gonna send you you need to get a taxi now I'm gonna get you a brain scan this afternoon so like and I'm oh, already man. in this like whoa I know so I go there and the bloke said to me you know the, this neurosurgeon bloke was like why she sent you here and I said well because I and he goes that sounds like a stress-based panic attack, and it, and then he did all these tests on me. Where he was like, um, he goes clap in front of this ear, clap in front of that ear, touch this eyebrow, touch that eyebrow, and he said, "If you had a brain tumor, you know, like I'd, you know, I'm not." He goes, "It's expensive and it takes forty-five minutes to put you in that, but you don't need it." Yeah. Sorry. So I, I, I know, you know, but that I just, didn't I, do I, much
0: for anxiety, did it? Uh, telling you that.
1: No, but all the way through it, I remember still had my sense of humor. At some mm. level, going, this is quite funny. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But I, it wasn't in there. But like, I tried to ask for help, and it just wasn't there. So what I quickly realised was, and my wife was going through her shit. And you know, no. And I, every time I spoke to my mo- my mum and dad, are really good. My mum's a nurse, but like, I was saying, oh, it's my blood sugar. Oh, I'm doing this, or or I've. It's because I've eaten. it. You know, like, I was convinced it was a physical problem, like hang on, I feel like this. And this morning I had oatmeal and it maybe was had gluten in it because I'm gluten-free and all this bullshit was going on. So it was proper mad, like, mm. you know. And in the end, I just thought I'm on my own in this. so I've got to get myself out of this. And I read this book called Hope and Help for Your Nerves. And it's – right. Um, I might even have it somewhere
0: I'll around, but
1: – all it did, I mean, it's funny because it was, like, written in the 60s and it was for, like, nervous housewives. So all the examples were yeah. like, <laughs> you know what it's like. Your your husband's coming home and it's his birthday and you haven't baked his favourite pie. And I'm, like, <laughs> reading it into his <laughs> <You> know, so... <laughs> so, like, basically what that book said was you've had a nervous breakdown and that, and then that made me go, oh that's what's happened and then once honestly once I read that I was like once you can label it yeah and also there's a masculinity is it masculinity or pride or ego thing of saying to someone oh yeah I had a nervous breakdown is a thing going Mm. I had a panic attack and I used to see manga stuff coming to get me and I was you know it just sounds insane so but what that book said as well which was a big change for me because I my fear was like i'm going mad this will get worse and worse and i'll be committed and that's the end of me right and i think it was in that book where she i don't know how she worded it but she sort of said "A nervous breakdown isn't you haven't gone mad you've gone sort of hyper sane do you know what i mean like yes you're actually stressed out about real issues and real things that need to be done and that's overwhelmed you as opposed Mm. to madness like oh you know i'm going to paint my legs blue and go and, you know, sleep under the trampoline. That sort of thing. <laughs> Not to belittle anyone who's got that sort of yeah, shit going on. Yeah. But that you was my things fear. of clearly
0: like... and you stop being able to suspend your disbelief about the fucking intense madness of real life. Because it is fucking mad. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah. I suppose, but then going something back in our brain life. just stops it.
1: Yeah, it's like you can force yourself to do it until your part of your consciousness pulls the plug and goes, nah, I'm not doing this anymore. You know. Yeah. But like what you said, hang on, my dog's trying to get me. Get down. Um about oh I've lost my thread now. What were you what was it I was gonna go back to? Oh, yeah, about the masculinity thing of like you yeah, yeah, it is all too intense. But imagine sitting down with someone and going, Well, I've got money worries and I've got children and but my wife's looking after them all day because i'm at work you know you just sound like yeah really? you come on you mate. don't want to no.
0: sound like a whinger right i think every yeah. man's worst fear is to be a whinger and i think the problem is is probably a lot of us spent our teens and 20s and maybe a lot of our 30s judging other people i remember countless times hearing people usually older than me Going, oh, they're a bit, they you know, it's tough for the moment. And I'll be like, oh, do me a fucking favor. you what? Yeah. Oh, they've got worries. And I not want my worries like theirs. Because we all fucking are like that to each other. And then you get into your voice, and you think, fucking yeah, yeah. hell, it really is bad. But by that stage, you think I can never admit it, because then I'll be the sort of wanker that I've been taking the piss out of for years. I mean, there's nothing, there's not yeah. there's nothing big enough for me to talk about because it's all normal shit like money family, yeah. work, all the normal stuff that everyone is dealing with. And therefore you feel, oh, I, can't, I can't just try talking about this. And that is why, like you say, oh, people wouldn't have known. I've been through the same thing. You you, you just are fucking amazing at like, um, you become amazing at like masquerading as someone who's kind of fine. And, uh, and yeah. uh, but I used to find that exhausting. I, I used to literally come home if I had to go out for meetings and stuff. And because of the sort of work that I do and you do, uh, you you know, we're in a similar industry and stuff, you kind of have to, you might go out to meet someone and you have to try and be quite charismatic. Do you know what I mean? You you have to sort of like make an effort, right? (laughs) And I would come away drenched in fucking sweat, drenched in sweat in those days. You know, I'm going back to like 2012 or something when it really hit me. And I, because it would just be exhausting yeah. to maintain the act, but I, I did at all times. Uh, I got quite good at it. Yeah. But I think it, it just compounds yeah. everything that's already there, doesn't it? Because you're putting so much effort into pretending.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I can talk about it openly now. But even after, well, first of all, I found it triggering talking about it because it used to. I used to be scared it would come back. Mm. Um, but yeah, certainly at the time, I wouldn't. I wasn't telling anyone. I was telling people I've got this neck thing because my neck was tight and whatever. But I was like, "Oh, my neck," and I, I kept getting blurred vision because I was that stressed or whatever. And so I was saying, oh, "I can't," and, you know, I'm having this, and I sort of ditched so many appointments and things and meetings, and you know, mm. but I didn't tell anyone, and I wasn't. It's only you know years later where I can go, you know, I don't. I think I it. I think it's interesting, but I also think if it helps one person. you know because when I was going through it until I got a label and an understanding and then really I mean people you know yes you should talk to other people but I found that I was on my own, I was the loneliest feeling, it was just like I've Mm. got to get out of this on my own but once I learned incrementally you know and I sort of got myself out of it and came back to normal it was like that's the other thing knowing that it will end, it's not not permanently like that yeah. And my um, chiropractor, he was, he's really good because um, we've moved now, so I don't see him anymore. But he's, It's much more holistic understanding of people than just being a chiropractor. But he said, there's normally a route, which is perhaps, you know, like the job you've got or this, not the industry you're in. I mean, that specific job or a relationship or whatever. And he said, until you remove yourself from that thing, you can't heal, you can't, you know, like you're still, and so I was like, well, it's my job, but yeah, it's the only way I can make money, and I've got to make money. So, but what I did was from, I started to go, now I'm only going to work on things that are like I actually want to do, because then you have a source of energy, especially with ADHD. You, I was, you know, forcing myself to work and come up with jokes, and, you know, it's, it's sociable, like you say, it's like I'm doing... Meetings, not so much now because of Zoom, but but like going, you know, into London because I was living in Bromley, so it was a bit of a trek in. Mm. Doing meetings, being ha ha, you know, all that mm. shit, and like, oh, it's it's hard work because when you're not feeling it, and it is a charade, it's yeah. like you come home and you're just. That's when I like come home and just drink a load yeah. of fucking wine or whatever. I would, and I remember actually like doing a radio I was doing a radio show with Gordon Smart we were covering for Johnny Vaughan on Radio X and it was fine it was like you know it was good but i think the the effort of like you're not allowed to swear and you're on edge you you know your brain has to be on like am i what am i saying you know i'm reading out an email and i've got the wrong bit of paper so oh, <laughs> i've got you know like that sort of on air feeling yeah, right yeah and then and I got into a little habit of you know those little bottles of wine, mm. the little like mini bottles of wine. Yeah, drinking one of them on the train because i would be like, oh, it's the equivalent of going for a drink after work. I'm just yeah. doing it on my own on the train, you know. <laughs> and then, and then I'd but then it ended up like I'll have two of them because like, you know, I'll have two of them, and then they they'd be like marketing oh, but I'll plastic glasses
0: with a foil lid so people could do just that, didn't
1: they? Yeah. I know and then I was like was I decided not to drink and then after maybe like two or three days of my body going hey where's that thing gone that mm. we do in the evenings <laughs> I'm fine like it just it, I don't find it a struggle at all it just it just like it's gone and so I done a, I had a meeting the other day that was in a pub because they didn't know I wasn't drinking and so they thought oh yeah we'll do it at the end of the day with all have beer or whatever And so I turned up and had to have sparkling water and I was thinking, this is going to be weird. I felt a bit anxious before the meeting because I hadn't done a physical face-to-face meeting for a while. And what I just now do is, like, just don't listen to my inner voice. Just try and be in the moment. Don't, Don't, you know, it's hard to do, but you just go... It is what it is. I've got to get, like, this isn't a meeting. It's a series of moments. There's a moment where you go, oh, and you've arrived. And then you. Mm. there's some small talk. And then you're in a meeting. And just try and have a conversation about the project. And that's your focus instead of my normal focus. is, oh, God, she her hair looks weird. This is weird. I need another drink. Oh, my God, I wish we were inside. I I shouldn't have worn this coat. You know, all that noise. (laughs) Yeah. And so, actually, when I did that, I, if I hadn't said to myself, "I'm not, I'm doing like six months no drinking," and i and that's a because that's an absolute, mm. I can deal with that. If it was a debate, yeah. like I'm only going to oh. drink on special occasions, I would have said, "Well, that meeting is a sort of special," you know, I would. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a, I'm that. total
0: advocate that the only thing that worked for me after years of trying was just a unilateral decision, because if not, it's just what like you're talking about the constant fucking inner debates and, and concerns and preoccupations that plague your mind about everything, which I can relate to. Yeah. Well, drinking is one of the biggest because you're in one non-stop. When, when I was drinking, I was in one non-stop lifelong conversation about whether I could justify drinking at that particular moment in that particular place, whether it was a good idea, whether I'd regret it afterwards. It so much easier to just go, I'm never fucking doing that again. Do you know what I mean? And then, <laughs> yeah. and then you just—that's it. There's no, there's, the conversation yeah. stops. You think about something else. Start worrying about something
1: different. Usually, yeah. um, exactly. And also, then you go. It just drops. For me, it just drops off the radar as an option. You know. So it's like, I don't know. And I, I know that's quite lucky because Well, what I'm saying is, I think I'm not chemically. Yeah. I don't have a chemically addictive personality, so I'm lucky in that way. But like once I've said I'm not doing that, it's almost like the dopamine hit comes from not doing it. Like yeah. I'm going to do, it's a bit like, you know, that first meeting was a bit like, wow, this, you know, I'm putting myself through this thing. I'm, I'm going to be, you know, like it was almost like that was where I was getting the dopamine from the fact that I was not drinking, you know, and then yeah, well, I know you, what you, would you, have You can happened. be like, proud of it. And would
0: I have... think you should, uh, people should, um, you know, blokes, because we're all competitive and want to have one upmanship, I feel now, I might be wrong, people might just say he's a boring cunt, he used to be a laugh, now he's boring cunt, right? Bleh, fine. <laughs> but actually, what I quite like, I get a kick, I don't know about you, I get a kick out going, We're do you want a drink? And I go, no, don't drink. And like, but yeah. you're happy to go to the pub anyway, or I'm happy to go to the football, yeah. or to all all the things really that I would have gone to Anyway. But I'm yeah. happy to just say uh, I don't drink. And you get a, you do get a little dopamine kick out of that because you feel slightly not superior. It's yeah, not like you that. Think, yeah. You don't feel superior, but you it's like a show of strength. You feel like sort of somehow yeah. stronger because you're yeah, abstaining yeah, yeah. from something.
1: Might yeah, that's definitely but. a smugness that you can no, and, and then well, it depends on the context, doesn't it? Cause it's like you you're proud it's something to sort of go like because with me i get the as the time grows it's like i've done seven weeks which is nothing to most mm-hmm. people but like that was that's you know it gets easier and easier but yeah. like when i did six months once mm-hmm. before i was so addicted to knowing how long i'd done and thinking yeah. you know like you know that was the best place well, but that's then great
0: though yeah i think that's all those things that that's yeah. when your obsession you have obviously got an obsessive Slightly controlling personality sounds like all those things are wrapped into ADHD as well. Sometimes that's a really good that that's like embrace it for things like that. Like
1: being aware of like so basically, my wife's got to go back to America for um, a couple of weeks, and I've got the kids, and it's my mum's birthday, and now we've moved down to the coast, and my family are all Southeast London sort of Mm. right. So they're all making a plan of like, oh, it's my mum's birthday. Let's all go out for dinner or whatever. So I know I've got to get two kids in the car. They both always say, oh, I feel sick. They both get car sick. Right. So it adds another But I've got to get them mm. packed up. They've got to be dressed nicely for, you know, I know like, this is the thing. Mm. Any woman listening is thinking, what the fuck is he moaning about? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And probably a lot of men, but I'm just being honest. I know because the dog, I've got I've to got, either drop the dog off somewhere with someone who will look after her or bring her. I've got to get both kids ready, fed everything, get them in the car. That's about an hour and 20-minute drive. Then be at this family dinner thing, but making sure both kids are behaving themselves, eat their food, whatever, you know, like just normal parenting shit. And I'll have my family there, so it's not that hard. But then... Getting back in the car and do another round, 20 minute drive, I know that I'll be frazzled from that day. You know what I mean? that That's like to the point where it's like knowing myself, should I be honest with my family and say, I think that's going to be a lot for me?
0: Yeah. Right? yeah.
1: And that, that, but that feels like such a cop out because on some days that I'd, I'd, I'd walk that, it's easy. Just get me in the car yeah. and I, you know, I'm fine. And also, whenever when my wife goes away, I go into a different
2: Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
1: I can't do work. I can't be thinking about a sitcom story in my head and going round and round about character and stuff because mm-hmm. she's not here. I'm doing everything. And so i I'm, I'm much more capable with situations like that. But I think. Once you, once you know yourself and just think, you know, you've got to be honest and go, I think I'm going to struggle with that. I think that might be a bit stressful or, you know, not in a, you know, copying out of it way, but just going, how can I make that, you know, just really sort of seeing ahead and thinking, is that going to be a problem for me, you know? And I think that's what men especially, but everyone really, Needs to do. You've got to be realistic with what you're
0: Be you honest. Are. Be honest with yourself. Look after yourself. Yeah. That to a large extent means just saying no to shit. And, you know, everyone, but yeah, like you say, men for particular reasons, we just don't do that. And we're just, maybe it's our generation. I always think, you know, we grew up in the fucking Thatcherite era where there was an obsession with productivity and your sort of yeah. sense of value. It was you, 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 yeah. the amount you could fucking produce, the amount know, of work you could do, the amount of shit you could juggle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, lockdown really suits my sort of like, oh, like Zoom Zoom meetings instead of real means. It's, it's very comfortable to me, not in a sort of like, you know. But Thatcher. When she, I mean,
0: we might have had to, if we'd done this 18 months ago, me and you might have had to fucking slip into Soho to meet at <laughs> a studio. It
1: would have been awful. With no booze. No beers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Beer. And then the train, the train journey afterwards would be terrible a little wine. <laughs> um, no, Thatcher said, <laughs> "A man, if a man over the age of 30 is on a bus, he's a failure or something like that. I don't know. She's, there's some quote. Fuck I know. Hell. and like, yeah. And for yeah, some yeah. reason, that actually stuck in my head. And so, like, I think there was, going back to that, like, panic attack thing apart from all the kids' stress and all that stuff, there was a career, like... Because I was trying to think what where I was in my career, but I'd written, like, a sitcom and done two series yeah. of it. <laughs> I,
0: I keep thinking, oh, no. I hope this wasn't when he was working with me. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, like, in right. career-wise, in, in the sense that like, I'd done two series of a sitcom for Channel 4 on my own, written it on my own. Mm. So at that point, it was like, fucking hell, like, that's really good. But then... I made a, that was quite comedy drama and sort of gentle. And I thought, no, I want to do balls out comedy, like arrested development sort of, you know, like big jokes and stuff like that, which turns out is way harder to do because there's less need, there's less want for it. Commissioning wise, it's, you need the right director, the right, you know, like you can write that and then the casting process. And so I did a few things that didn't quite work. Do you know what I mean? And, um, and even when you're, you're, you know, it's fine if you're writing a sitcom and it's on, you're getting multiple series and stuff, then you're, the money's great, but you generally do something and then you're three months, you're writing a pilot, which is a few grand really in your pocket. It's just like, it's not, it was just not good enough. So in my head, I'd got to the point where I was borrowing money off my parents, you know, to keep going with no sort of like plan of like, Oh, I just need this for six months. It was like, this is keeping my children fed. And So in my head, it was like, you're a failure, you know? And I remember being on buses because, I mean, I had to, I'd get buses now. It's like sometimes you live in London, if you know, or work going for meetings or something, you'll get on a bus. But like, I remember that sort of, I don't know why, Margaret Thatcher, you're a failure if you're on a bus. There was too many voices going, you're a failure, you've messed up. And then... So many,
0: there's a whole industry in those fucking voices. Every fucking ad's trying to tell you yeah. you're a failure.
1: You but know. It was also, because it's like a creative job, you just think, am I delusional about how good at this I actually am? And should I, you know, is this just like, am I, because it's fine if you're just you, but when you've got a wife and two kids dragging along behind and you think, you know, am I that dad who's still thinking he's going to make it as a pop star. And he's like, you know, on X Factor. And it's like, oh, God, what are you doing, mate? Am I the comedy writing equivalent of that?
0: And so... You know who I always think I am? You know know, um, old Gil, who's a sort of only an irregular character on The Simpsons, who is just like a crumpled old salesman? (laughs) And he's always really desperate. Do you know the character I mean? They call him Old Gil. And I think he's based on Jack Lemmon's character in *Glen, Gary, Glen Ross. And and like, he's just, he's uh, he's the sort of character who pops up in The Simpsons, like, you know, once a season or something like that, usually just fleetingly. But I just always go to my missus. It's a code between me and my missus, because I'll get really low about all the shit you're talking about. Am I delusional? Am I just like, am I just fucking jeopardizing my parents? Because I'm some like, weird bloke who thinks he's a writer or something like that. And she goes, You're having an old, old Gil moment, aren't you? Because I think I'm this sort of sad, like, you know, I'm this sad salesman who's like, soles are flapping off his shoes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's like, and he's just begging for one last chance. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? you gotta help me? Yeah. You gotta help me. <laughs> and then it's just I mean, that's not good. It's not good for your creativity, is it? But I
1: fucking get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I still yeah. get
0: that now. Yeah. And I'm saner than I used to be.
1: Yeah. I was like, and also because the irony of writing comedy when you're deeply unhappy, terrified about everything, and mm. skin. And it's just like I don't know, it's mad. And I, but like the what well, I mean, sort of actually. I've got project like I've sort of turned enough. There was a turning point where I was like, oh, I just don't earn enough money to support what, you know, that's why everything's stressful because not enough is coming in for what's going out. And we got what's going out down to the minimum and still wasn't enough, you know. So, because I'm stupid with money. I'm not stupid, I'm actually really good with money, but I don't understand the abstract money of like mortgages and credit cards and stuff like that. I think like I've earned that that's tax, yeah. I can spend that. But like, I just had done all right with sitcom work and just thought, oh yeah, I earn all right money, i don't have to think about money. And then that had all fallen apart and yeah. I was sort of still in the mindset of like, oh yeah, it's, how much have I made this month? I don't really look into it. And then I was like, no, hang on, we we wrote it down and it was like right so I need to hustle for some radio work because that is a you know and I looked at the different revenue yeah. streams for want of a better term and it was just like I wasn't you know I wasn't really doing it right I wasn't thinking you know I was, I was waiting for my sitcom chances when I should have just gone go and do some team writing on that show or do you know like and that's probably around that yeah. time no actually this was after I'd worked on your thing. And so then, and then I, I basically is a series that I'm a coward in terms of like, oh, uh, I've always, you know, when I was doing stuff with Russell, I, he's a huge star and he's got that sort of, you know, he'll fill the room. Yeah. I don't need to try, you know, and all, all that sort of stuff. So, oi, oh, shut up. She's growling at dog. Um, and so I, uh, I, I've, like, thought, right, now I need to do a podcast on my own. And I, and I was so uncomfortable the first time I did it because I'd never been the main voice, do you know what I mean? I'd been a little sniper at the edge taking yeah, a Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wait. Yeah, yeah. Shut up, yeah. And um, I'm going to get rid of that. Go. Crazy. Um Yeah, it always been just, like, you know, the, the sidekick sort of thing. So I was really... Awkward and nervous, and I, I recorded this pilot with James Buckley, bless him. And he was very, I mean, it was all right, but it wasn't good enough. As do you know, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing, mm. and I didn't know how to do the housekeeping of like, Hello, welcome to the show. You know, I felt such a plum saying that, yeah, because I, get, you know, you get that smashy and nicey thing where you sort of feel like you go, Hello, you know, yeah, like yeah. it's weird. And so I...
0: Welcome, yeah. Yeah,
1: like any sort of housekeeping, I just thought, oh, that sounds awful. I hate, you know, and I don't like the sound of my own voice when I listen back to it. Mm. But anyway, I just thought, no, do it. The first one was awful. Then I I think the first episode was Noel, so I was comfortable with him. But I was a bit sweaty because I was like, oh, God, this is my own thing. And then after doing it a few times, now I do it on Patreon. I do my own thing on Patreon, which is financially way better. But also... Mm. I'm really comfortable doing it. I'll sometimes do solo ones where I talk for two and a half hours, just about with very little preparation, yeah. you know. And it's like that was a turning point because then I had regular money. It's like a, you know, a regular income while the sitcom stuff. Yeah. When I had that nervous breakdown, I, there's a, a couple of weird coincidences, but Russell Brand, I, was, I talked to him and he said, Oh, you're, um, it's because you're not doing, what you should be doing so you need to be in flow and so I was doing the problem with me is I'm good at what I do enough for people to contact me to say oh we've got this show it's not quite working can you help us out with a script or whatever and so I think oh I need work and I've got to support my family and stuff so yes and then I do it and then they'll go, yeah, we, what we're doing is we're trying. And I'm too cap-doffing. And like, oh, okay, yeah. Even though I think, oh, no, this isn't right. And so Russell said, you need to be yeah. true. You need to find out what it is you want to do and just do it and then wait for people mm. to come. You know, that sort of – and I'm like, well, I can't. That's like – that's great coming from someone with money. Impractical. Impractical, like. Mm. But it was good advice. And he said – there's this weird coincidence where he said to me, oh, I've got this book. I can't remember what it's called got a mountain on the front oh it's called the artist's way right and so i was like all right okay and i i um just sort of thought and i said well what is it he goes well you you have to be really committed to doing you know daily pages of writing of like not not work writing. you you write down you have to write a page a day it could be anything could just go anything right and and then there's like you've got to go somewhere all on your own that meant something to you or means so all these fucking challenges, you know, like, and it's a, it's a, it's a course that you do and you can do it at any stage and it realigns you as an artist in the sense that, and I know that sounds wanky, but if you're a creator of anything, like, you can get caught up in, am I doing this for me? Is this truly what I want to get out? Or mm-hmm. is this, you know, and so it's a reset or a starts you off when you don't know or whatever. I, um, didn't buy it, I just thought. I looked at it online, got an idea of it, and arrogantly just thought, I don't want to read some hippie bollocks book about, like, you know. And I remember one of the examples was go on a journey on your own, and I just thought, fuck off. So <laughs> I just didn't do it. And then I went to <laughs> yeah. see a acupuncturist. So in the midst of, like, this mm. was sort of, you know, a couple of months in where I'm like, oh, it's my neck. That's all, all these mental problems come from mm. my neck. Went to see this acupuncturist, right, And I said to her, oh, I had this thing that I thought was a panic attack, but I think it was because the nerve was being pinched, my neck, and I need acupuncture to release these muscles, blah, blah, blah. And she went to me, it's not your neck. You had a panic attack because you've got, you know, like you had a nerves breakdown, like that. And honestly, because I'd held myself together going, oh, I'm fine. It was my neck. As soon as she said that, it all collapsed. I felt all this anxiety, whatever. And then I was, and then she's doing like acupuncture on me, and she said to me, um, "You should." What it was there was two really weird coincidences. She said because um, she was an acupuncturist, and Russell Brand had been speaking about acupuncture. She didn't know I knew him, and so she said mm. something about Russell early on in the thing she was like oh um i was listening to the radio and i actually you know russell brand does acupuncture or something like that it was really weird and i was like oh, oh that's yeah. weird i know him and then she was like all oh, right and then we got talking and then she said so what do you think it is blah blah, blah. and i said well I don't, you know it's work stress whatever and she goes i've got a book oh what's it called it's got a mountain on the front and used the exact same words as it Fuck Right. It, so i was like the hell and then she um she went oh hang on i brought it in i brought it in for my daughter or something i was gonna give it to her hang on she went for a cupboard and she got it out right and it was the the artist's way i was like oh that's really weird and then this is ridiculous i bought it thinking fucking hell the universe is telling me you need this book definitely yeah and then i never read it (laughs) I've got it on my shelf.
0: <laughs> I flick through. I'm waiting for the big end to that story <laughs> where you go, I've read it and I've never looked back. My career's just come on leaps and yeah, no, nah, I didn't read it i yet. I
1: flick through. I, went, but I love uh, it that you know, uh,
0: since I went through all of this shit and getting better and all the rest of it, the fucking signs from the universe thing is something that five, ten years ago I'd have thought, fuck off. Yeah. Now I'm fucking obsessed with signs from the cosmos and the universe. All I see them everywhere. Well, listen and to this. And it's brilliant. I love it.
1: The, 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 the thing I forgot to say, actually, right, this is honestly true. In my house where mm. I lived when I had that nervous breakdown, from my bedroom window, you could see horses, right? There's a little stables and there was just these horses. And sometimes I'd stand at that window and look at those horses and... When the what was going on, like this is in the months before it, right? And and because yeah. I'd always lived in like Kentish Town or Camden or Archway or places like that, yeah. and so to be able to see horses from my window, I felt like I was living in the country, but I was in Bromley. Well, I could see yeah. these all, and I used to watch them, and I used to sort of feel like calm about the horses, right? I used to think, "Ah, yeah. oh, horses." And that ambulance driver who spoke really slowly. When we got talking, he went, "Oh, where where do you live?" And I said, Bromley. And he goes, oh, my sister's in Bromley, whereabouts? And I said, oh, Keston, it's, you probably won't heard of it, it's a village. He goes, oh, yeah, no, no, no. He goes, yeah, my sister, that's where she is. She's got horses off the, and it was, the, it was those horses Fucking were his hell. sister's horses, right? And he goes, "He goes," um, and I said, oh, I sometimes watch those horses. He goes, well, tell her that, I think his name is Eddie or Barry or something like that, but he goes like, if you, he goes, I said, I sometimes watch those horses from my window and I find them quite relaxing. He went, oh, go over there and just say you, know, you knew Eddie, you met Eddie. And he said, she'll let you go in. You can yeah. go and see him properly. And, it was like, and I still didn't do that. Even. So I get a message from the <laughs> like,
0: universe. Again, again, I'm waiting for the story where you go, and I went to see them horses and I've been friends with them ever I since. I rode one of those horses. Now
1: I've got my own stable. Yeah. No, and So like, again, <laughs> the, the universe is going to me, come on, what do you want me to do? Bring a fucking horse around your house.
0: Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. You're ignoring it, which is, again, it's quite arrogant, to be honest, Matt. <laughs> I mean, the universe is a big fucking deal. It's and you're ADHD. like, yeah, I can't be bothered, mate. I'm like, fa- thanks, thanks for the advice. Thanks yeah. for the advice, universe. But I get it. I get but it. I don't need to take this. Further, I know thanks. what I know. What horse looks
1: like closer? <laughs> <laughs> also, I forgot the ambulance driver's name. It'll be awkward. But like, <laughs> but like, two those there was, those was those coincidences. So I was thinking, you know, like I don't know what I believe, but it was odd, and I was, and it did, you know, it was weird. But then, both of those beautiful magical, you know, serendipitous things. I then (laughs) did not follow-up on, but, like,
0: whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. I mean, that's the the thing about the universe. I see signs, but I don't actually know what they're telling you to do. Yeah. So I Googled it, and I said, what happens if you keep seeing signs from the universe coincidences? And uh, apparently it just, you don't have to do anything. It's just a sign that you're going in the right direction. So you should just, like, nod sagely and just crack on.
1: I like, the way you, I like the way, firstly, you Googled it. What do you do if the universe yeah. is giving you signs? <laughs> and then you've summarised okay. it with just crack on. You're doing all right.
0: Yeah, it just says that It all, you don't know to do me. It's just saying, well done. We're showing you this sign, so you're heading in the right direction. Yeah. Matt, thank you ever so much for your time. Pleasure talking to you, mate. Cheers, Sam. Thanks, mate. Well... That was Matt Morgan, a brilliant writer and a very funny broadcaster on Radio X and on his own subscription podcast, which has built a huge following over on Patreon. Head over there and give it a go. He really is one of the best podcasters around. I really appreciate how honest Matt was about the very real practical problems that drove his mental health issues. There's so much abstract bollocks about mindfulness and wellness flying around these days that sometimes you can think that no one really understands that most of us are just stressed out about money and bills and work. I mean, you can't meditate away a tax return or a Sainsbury's shop, can you? That's why I like chats like that one I just had with Matt. Real talk about real problems that ordinary people face and the ways in which we can try to get through them. If you like this pod, please like and subscribe it on iTunes. It really helps spread the word and attract new listeners. And if you like the Reset's approach to mental health generally, then why not sign up as a subscriber to the newsletter at samdelaney.substat.com. Until next time, gang, be lucky and don't let the dickheads get you down.